Welcome to the podcast of Medora Pentecostal Church. We are a growing community of believers committed to bringing hope and building lives. We pray today's message is a blessing to you. Tonight's going to be a special night. Tonight's going to be a beautiful night because you are going to hear four very powerful, very different life stories from people who somehow found a way to walk joyfully in some of the most adverse times and moments in their lives. They're going to be sharing with us their moments of trial their joyful discoveries and giving to us practical ways that we too can find joy in life's biggest storms. We're going to be hearing this evening from Bishop Walls, Sister Tiffany, Pastor Dylan, and Sister Jessica. Are you excited? Are you ready for tonight? I'm ready. This is going to be awesome. This time, we're going to ask Bishop Walls to come and uh, share with us what's on his heart. God bless you. Can you give the Lord a hand clap of praise? Y'all can go down. Unless you want me to sing a song first or something. Thank the Lord for his blessings. Thank the Lord for our church family. Amen. You want to help me preach tonight? <laughs> Forgive me for picking on you. <laughs> this is an honor to be able to be involved with this service tonight, this presentation tonight. I was given three uh, subjects. I guess is what they would be called, to deal with that this being a special time, a discussion. My first uh, was given, describe the events where you learned that you could still have joy despite your circumstances. Now, when you've lived as long as I have, I am 49 plus. I have a large variety of things, events from which to choose to describe that you could still have joy even though the circumstances said you shouldn't shouldn't have. But what came to my mind when I was first given this subject. I was conducting a prayer meeting in St. Louis on a Monday evening when the phone rang in my office, which was just off the, right off the platform like, and one of the members went to answer the phone, and I had no idea, of course, who it was nor what it was. But uh, when they called me that I had to come to the phone, I realized it was not a fuller brush salesman that was calling. The news that I heard from the one that was doing the calling, which was a preacher in Mississippi, was the most shocking and the most disturbing news that I had ever heard up to that particular time and have heard since. Our five-year-old son had just been killed by a, uh, at first, a hit-and-run driver because he went off, but then some reason he turned around and came back. He had hit two young boys. Mine was five years old. I don't know the age of the other little boy, and killed them both. And obviously the days, the months, the weeks, that followed left me with a hollow point, empty spot in my, in my heart, in my mind. Uh, I had wild dreams 
strange thoughts that haunted me. And I imagined over and over and over again the accident scene, although, of course, I had not seen it. But in my mind, I saw it. In my mind, I relived it. Terrible dreams, terrible nightmares, terrible thoughts, wild thoughts, foolish thoughts. And then I don't remember how much longer it was, but sometime later, Back in those days, in the 70s, we used to have these Bible conferences, we called them, in which we gather. We have had them here <clears throat> two or three day, two or three night Bible conferences. And I was attending that Bible conference. I, was, I remember very clearly standing on the platform while the service was going on. And uh, I'm not too quick to say God told me, but I know the devil didn't, so it must have been the Lord. As I was standing on that platform when the conference was go service was going on, I felt a strong presence, a strong impression that said to me, quit looking at the scene, quit looking at the heap or the mangled body on the highway. Quit looking at that. Look beyond it. Look beyond it. And uh, look beyond that awful scene, which I had been doing over and over, dreaming about everything. Look to that day of reunion. Look to that day tomorrow. We are going to have a reunion. I have no idea. Uh, imagination but I have no idea what it's going to be like but it's going to be good Amen. I don't expect to see a five year old son but I expect to know him so from that time from that period my spirit was lifted my thinking was changed I have never never dwelt on that accident, that event, what took place. Instead, I've imagined and thought about that gathering around the throne tomorrow. So I think, to me, that was my best uh, way of looking beyond circumstances and having joy. Sure. He would be 53 years old uh, yet last month. And of course, we think of him naturally. Wonder what he'd be like. We know he'd be an apostolic one, God, Jesus' name, preacher. But anyway, look beyond your problems. Something that's happened, you can't change it. You can't change it. If it hurts down, and it will. Oh, my goodness, yes, it hurt. In unimaginable. Again, thoughts and pain. But look beyond that. I wasn't that saying this too shall pass. Somebody said my favorite scripture. <laughs> this too shall pass. This too shall pass. The second thing, I, Brother gave me a time limit here, so I'll try to keep in time. If I get beyond, blow a whistle or something. <laughs> but the second point that was, I was asked to deal was, how do you continue? And I guess in a sense I've already touched on it. How do you continue to live a joyful life? You know, the Bible says in Job chapter 14 and verse 1, the man that's born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. Yeah. Yeah. Folks, it's going to happen. Yeah. There's none here except maybe the youngest among us <laughs> that has not had problems, heartaches, frustrations in your life. There may be differences in what kind of problems and troubles people have, but one thing remains. Every one of us are faced with 
questions and problems and struggles. Amen. None of us are exempt. Man that's born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. I, myself, refuse to dwell on the negatives of life. And I think that helps me to avoid the pitfalls and disappointments that come into my life. And I've had a few. I maybe call myself a realist. I, I believe in reality and not get caught up on the, the foolish things and things that I cannot change. Let me give you a, a, another example that came to mind when this question came to mind was given to me in which it may seem foolish by some uh, but anyway we uh, we had been in Mississippi, Bertle, Mississippi preaching for Brother Bishop Bishop Revival and uh, we had bought a trailer a house trailer to pull around, there was four of us then and uh, Poor old car. We thought it was too much pressure on the car, so I, I bought foolishly. I bought a bobtail truck. I, I guess you call it a bobtail. It wasn't a very long truck, so I guess it's a bobtail. But anyway, I bought a t truck, and I pulled the trailer with the truck. And I had faith that rode in the truck with me. And Sister Walls followed us in her car with David. And he was just a little bitty snot then. But anyway, we were going through Alabama. They had been working on the highway for some reason and uh, had not given any notice. There was no signs anywhere. And I drove across a bridge, and there must be a drop-off. No tell how much of a drop-off where they had done the highway but had not brought it up to speed. And when I went off that bridge, that trailer popped up off of the ball on that truck, and I could feel it, I could hear it, I could see it in my rearview mirror, and I was going that way, and my trailer was going that way. It ran off the highway, it ran down through the embankment, and down through a, a fence into a farmer's pasture, and I was wondering, of course, what's happening to Sister Walls and Faith, I mean, and, and David. Well, when she saw the truck leaving, or the trailer leaving, going, she thought we were, Faith and I were in that truck, and we were all in a terrible accident. Well, Faith and I were just fine. But Sister Walls, she had screamed, I guess, and hit the brake real hard, real good, and slid around, and went off, not all the way off, but started off the highway. And some truck drivers come by and helped her. But, but anyway, I backed up, and here's the foolish part to some. I backed up to where I could get and see, check on her, and looked at her, and, and, she, and she's reminded me of this more than once since. I looked at that and I said, I wish that hadn't happened. I didn't throw a hissy fit. I didn't jump up and down and holler and scream and curse. I didn't kick the tires in that truck. And I didn't look at my Buick that my wife almost wrecked and say, I'm not going to buy a GM product anymore. I didn't. <laughs> what good would it do? It's already happened. So let's do something to get out of it. No need about cursing the situation. That won't change it. <laughs> would it have made a difference if I had stomped and screamed and hollered and I know forgive me uh, no don't forgive me I don't need forgiveness that's just how do I handle how do I continue to have joy because I'm not going to let the devil I'm not going to let troubles I'm not going to let problems I'm not going let to let a wreck the farmer came with his uh, employees he had a, a black man working for him there and he came he found out somehow I don't know how but he found out that some foolish driver had ran through his fence and into his pasture so 
I drove down there with my truck, my bobtail truck, and jacked the front end of that trailer up, hooked it up, and I asked that fella, you know, he, he, of course, he wanted some money to pay for that fence. And it seemed like I paid him $10. That's my thought. I, don't, I know it wasn't more than 20 but I seemed like I asked him, how much, in, you know, you got to have this fella fix your fence. How much do I owe you? $10, I believe what he said. That was an expensive experience. But I hooked that trailer on, went up to where I could get back, went on to our revival in southern Alabama, and uh, I could say a few things about that too. But anyway, <laughs> but my point is, you're going to have problems. And if you get all fussified and start screaming, kicking the cat, and slamming doors, you're not helping the situation one bit. You're making it worse. Don't lose your cool. Don't lose your joy. Amen. Last but not least, some practical tips, advice, and resources. I've already given you some. But Paul said, this came to mind as well. Paul said in Romans 8, this familiar passage, at Romans 8, beginning with verse 35, it's interesting how he words this. He says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword, as it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded. That's where we need to be. Persuaded. Do you know who you are? Do you believe what you believe you believe? Amen. Do you know what you are? I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Amen. You'll notice, again, as I emphasize the point to begin with, it's to me of interest that Paul says, who shall separate us? If you have tribulation, it's from a who. If you have troubles, it's from a who. So it won't give, don't do you any good, again, to kick the tires on that car that went flat. It's a who. That brings these problems into your life. That's the enemy brings into your life to discourage, to frustrate, to make you feel like throwing up your hands and saying, what's the use when you got trouble, that's no time to quit church. Amen. When you're facing disasters and problems and terrible circumstances, that's not the time to quit church. Amen. That's not the time to blame God. No way. And I know there are things that happen to, to us that we say, and, and it's, it's not wrong to say why. We're human. We're human. And I suppose if we didn't say why, I'd wonder if we were humans. But it's, it's not wrong to say why. We may never understand. I don't understand that heap in the highway, that accident. I don't understand it. But I'll never have, I'll never have the answer to why. But I have, the, I have the, the blessing, the grace, the strength, the sufficiency to see how to go on regardless of what has happened. Amen. One of these days, we're going to understand it all by and by. As Paul said, we are more. We are more than conquerors. I'm stronger than a flat tire. I'm stronger than a wreck. I'm stronger than somebody cursing me out. I'm stronger than that. I'm a child of the king. I'm my my hope is in that great tomorrow. Amen. So I'm going to hold on to his promises. And after all, John, it was in 1 John 4, 4 said, Ye are of God, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Because how? 
because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. <laughs> when you're down in your mully grubs, hold on to that unchanging hand. Amen. You, you might be as a Jonah in the belly of that whale, but cry out and say, he's my salvation. He's my salvation. When it's all over with, I'm going to have victory. If we allow things or people separate us from church and from God, then we are weaker than they are. They are the stronger. I don't want anybody to be stronger than me. Mm. I know this, again, is, well, I better not go there. Let's not talk there. Uh, I refuse to allow anyone or anything to destroy my faith in church and my faith in God and my faith in the people of God. I've seen two or three hypocrites, but they're not going to keep me from God. I've known of one or two preachers that committed adultery, fornication, they quit church, quit preaching, but I'm not quitting. I'm not quitting. I didn't, my confidence is not in Bishop Snodgrass. My confidence is in nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. So stay in church. I don't care how hard it is. I don't care the problems. I don't care the struggle. I don't care the heartaches. I don't care the tears. I don't care the pain. I don't care the discomfort. Stay in church. Don't turn loose. If you've got an ounce of faith, that's more than the devil has got. Amen. If you, if you feel so weak in your prayer, that's powerful in the eyes of the devil. Greater is he that is in you. But I don't feel much. If you feel anything, that's much. That's enough. That's enough. Worship God regardless of how you feel. Pay your tithes. Let me throw that in there. Pay your tithes. Give liberally to the work of God. You see, this, I know that's, that's a preacher talking, pay your tithes. But people are missing out on the blessings of God because they are not faithful to God. I'll guarantee you, I'll assure you, if you'll pay your tithes and give your offerings and be faithful to church, you'll overcome, you'll be stronger, you will, you will have victory in your life that you would not otherwise have. Get involved in, in church activities and get involved and, 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 and read this. Yes, sir. Read this. Read this. Amen. Praise the Lord. I have to read mine. I'm not as practiced as he is. I only have 39 years plus. When I was asked to participate in tonight's service, um, I also was given three directives. The first of which was to describe an event where I learned I could still have joy despite my circumstances. I thought, this is simple. We all have trials. I can think of a few things. Um, trials are always the easiest things to see. It's always easier to look back and see the trials, unfortunately, than it is easier to look back and see the blessing at times. But the more I thought about it, the more difficult it became because every low seems like the lowest low when you're in it. In 1999, I went through divorce, and I was a young mother of a three-month-old. In 2001, I married a Marine whose specialty was electronic warfare, and a few months later, terrorists attacked our country on September 11th, and yep, their means were electronic warfare. In 2002, our baby's heart stopped beating 22 weeks into pregnancy. In 2005, our one-year-old daughter was diagnosed with leukemia, and her only biological bone marrow donor was her big sister who wasn't quite three years old. In 2006, Simon was diagnosed with HSP, and he was wheelchair-bound for two months. In 2015, 
Our house burned in the night while we were sleeping. In 2015, Simon preached a tremendous youth service and three days later walked away from God, his ministry, and moved to Louisiana. In 2015, my husband lost his job and was unemployed for six months. Thank you, Mr. Obama. 2015 was a stellar year for the Bingham family. <laughs> and those are just a few highlights of my personal um, times of sorrow in my life. We've all experienced pain and sorrow, but James said to count it all joy. To truly find joy in adversity, we need to understand what joy is. Often, I think that we are guilty of confusing happiness and joy. We make them synonyms, but according to God's word, they aren't. Happiness is an emotion. Joy is a state of being. I can be filled with joy and not be happy. Same, I can be happy and unfortunately not have joy. According to a modern psychology article from September of 2015, psychologist and lifestyle mentor Rachel Fearney wrote, Happiness is emotional and lasts only for a time. It is externally triggered and based on other people, things, places, thoughts, and events. Joy is more consistent. It is cultivated internally. It comes when you make peace with who you are, why you are, and how you are. Aiming for joy is more beneficial than aiming for happiness since it is not tied to external circumstances. As a society, we no longer know how to cultivate joy, so we resort to quick fixes like alcohol, drugs, and addictive foods. While they are two distinct things, joy and happiness exist simultaneously. The soul experiences joy, however happiness is reflected in the body. I laugh at a joke. I get butterflies in my stomach. I have a bounce in my step. However, none of those bodily actions are joy. The human body is made up of bones, muscles, tendons, ligaments, nerves, and so on. It is not an act of morality when our bodies move. Moving my arms and legs is not an act of my soul. My hands, my feet, my arms, my legs, they don't know right from wrong. The movement of my fist has no moral significance until my emotions tell it to punch someone. Then that movement becomes wrong. The movement of my arms means nothing morally until my emotions tell my arms to hug someone who's hurting. Then the movement becomes right. My soul is that part of me that imparts virtue, not my limbs. My soul determines right and wrong of the physical parts of my life. My soul is where my joy lives. The Bible tells us it's right to feel joy. Philippians 3 says, rejoice in the Lord. But how do you rejoice if you don't see things about the Lord that cause joy to rise up in your heart? It requires a work of the soul. God doesn't just flip a switch and you rejoice with no mental effort whatsoever. John chapter 16 says the spirit does this work within us, causing us to see the glory and beauty of God. This calls joy from our soul. Jesus said it is a joy that no man taketh from us. When I see Christ in all that he is doing and in all that he is, in sorrow in hurt, in frustration, when I see Christ, my soul sings out in joy. I don't experience a temporary emotion of happiness. I bear a fruit of the Spirit. I bear joy. It's true that God is glorified best when we live in joy. Then joy if it's true, then joy is not optional. It's a mandate. After all, isn't that what we were created to do? Glorify God? Paul teaches us in Philippians chapter 2, do all things without murmurings and disputings, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke, 
in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. I can think of a dozen situations where it feels so much better to mumble and grumble, <laughs> to murmur and dispute, situations where it feels better to say, this isn't fair, or this hurts, or I'm not strong enough to go through this again. But Paul admonishes us not to murmur, because to complain is the opposite of joy. Another example can be found in Philippians 3. Paul said, finally, my brethren, brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you, to me indeed is not grievous, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the concision, for we are the circumcision, which worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. He didn't say rejoice while the sun is shining and then stop to deal with the conflict and then go back and rejoice. No, he said rejoice in the Lord and beware of dogs and evil workers. This is simultaneous. First Peter 1, 3 through 6 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time, wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations. Again, Peter didn't say rejoice until the troubles come, then pick it up again when they leave. He said, greatly rejoice, though now you are in manifold temptations. These things are happening simultaneously. 2 Corinthians 6.10 says, as sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. Again, sorrow and joy happening simultaneously. God, through the Apostle Paul, calls us to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. These are simultaneous events, another example of joy and adversity. When troubles come our way, and they will, we have a promise that joy will not die. The joy of the Lord is not killed when sadness arises. It doesn't die when sorrow occurs. Are there going to be days that we shake our fists in frustration? Yes. Are there going to be times our shoulders bend from the weight of burdens? Yes. Are there going to be times when sorrow causes us to feel like our hearts are literally breaking in two? Yes. Are there going to be days when thinking of the future causes fear and uncertainty? Yes, but count it all joy. Joy and sorrow are not sequential, but simultaneous. They are, have been dark days and even darker nights. Times I thought to myself, if I would just do it my way and not God's way, I bet I could fix this real quick. I have struggled through the frustrations of life. I've been misunderstood. I've had my words twisted and convoluted. I've been talked about behind my, face, behind my back and mocked to my face. There have been days when I knew my only solace was hiding away in my secret place to pray, only to find that the ceiling was brass and my words bounced back in my face. Psalm 30 and 5 says, Weeping may endure for the night, but joy cometh in the morning. This sounds like joy comes after. Weeping may endure in the night, but joy comes in the morning. That sounds like it comes after, but it doesn't. We want to group the words together like this. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy cometh in the morning. But that's a different meaning entirely. That sounds like we're living in sorrow, but if we hold on long enough, <laughs> that joy will come through. It'll show up in the morning. But if you read it this way, weeping may endure for the night, but joy 
cometh in the morning. That phrase, but joy, means continual ringing or outcry. Joy is calling out from our souls even while we're weeping. It hasn't been replaced by the weeping. We aren't in pain now, anxiously awaiting for the sun to rise, so there's joy once again. It's still there. The scripture isn't telling us that eventually in the morning joy will show up. It's reassuring us that in the morning, the weeping will end. When physical pain arises, joy. When emotional pain arises, joy. When fear arises, joy. When painful memories surface, joy. When the day is too long and the clouds are too dark, joy. To have joy in trials is not to deny pain. It's to recognize the fact that they exist simultaneously. Just as an expectant mother can go through the pain of birth and still have joy thinking about what's yet to come. I would encourage you, if, if you are a, uh, a memorizer, <laughs> I would encourage you to memorize these, these following scriptures. If you aren't good at memorization, write them on sticky notes. Stick them in your glove box. Stick them on the inside cover of your Bible. Um, hang them on your desk at work. Anywhere that you'll see them. And when you're in the midst of a trial, pull them out. If the Bible is our sword, then use it to fight. First Peter tells us to call up the joy in our soul by reminding ourselves of three eternal promises. First Peter 1.3 Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Our first reminder of joy is new birth, salvation. Verse 4, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. Our second reminder of joy is undefiled inheritance. We have the promise of heaven. Verse 5, who are kept by the power of God through faith until salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Our third reminder of joy is eternal security. New birth, undefiled inheritance, and eternal security. Praise the Lord, everybody. Isn't God so good tonight? So good. I'm so thankful for the testimonies we've already heard. And I just look forward so much to what God's going to continue to do in this place. Uh, we'll get to this later. Uh, don't worry about that right now. So first, I'd like to describe the situation that I learned that I could be joyful in the midst of adverse situations, in the midst of situations I didn't understand in the midst of situations I was bitter about, in the midst of situations I just didn't know. In May 2012, I'd just finished my first year at the University of Southern Indiana. I'd studied math education. I'd just met a beautiful young lady named Katie Brewer. And I just had it all going on. Life was just going good. Things were looking up. Everything was going good. And then all of a sudden, life just hit. So as a backstory, my grandpa Jack, this is my father's father, uh, my grandpa Jack and I uh, were great friends. We were known to be really, really good fishing buddies. So I would go there uh, for weeks at a time and just spend the spend time there, and it was really great. Uh, towards the end of his life, he got a houseboat, so we didn't have to have travel time back and forth to the lake. We would just sleep on the lake, fish at night, wake up, and fish some more during the all day. It was great. Uh, so my grandpa Jack had been, uh, at this particular time, uh, a year prior, he had been diagnosed with lung cancer. He was undergoing chemo treatments, but was growing weaker. And uh, this particular weekend, I'd come to see Katie and was able to spend the weekend uh, at Joe and Peggy's. We went to church that Sunday night, and after church, we were on our way to Steak and Shake in Bedford. Just some fellowship after church. As we were walking in the door, I got a phone call. And the phone call told uh, that my grandpa Jack had passed away. 
Although I thought I'd been mentally preparing for so long, I thought that I was ready for this. Mentally, I knew it was coming, and I was ready. The phone call still crushed me, still crushed me to my core at this loss. So I decided in the morning I would get up early, make my way home to be with my family. However, I woke up before, uh, I woke up early in the morning to a phone call from my mom telling me that I had to get home right now, that something had happened with my dad. She wouldn't tell me what happened. She just told me that I had to get home right now. Confused and frightened, I hurriedly got in the car, packed everything, and was on my way. And about halfway through my drive, I had 45 minutes left in my drive, and the phone calls just started rushing in. Dylan, where are you? Dylan, you better hurry. Dylan, what's going on? Where are you at? Why are you not here? Everybody was calling me, saying, what's going on? What's going on? And finally, a phone call came in, and the person said, Dylan, I hate to be the one to tell you this, but you deserve to know your dad's passed away. So within about eight hours, eight to ten hours, I lost my grandpa, and then I lost my dad. Moment, it was by God's strength alone that I could drive the rest of the way home. I, I have no idea how I got there. As I got home, I'd never seen so many people at our house in my life, just family everywhere. And as I pulled up, I abandoned the car, apparently, because I couldn't find my keys anywhere. I threw them somewhere in a frantic dash to get to the garage. And as I got to the garage... I saw my dad's body laying on the floor in the garage, and I collapsed. He died from an accidental drug overdose. He was helping administer morphine cream to my grandpa while he was in recovery, and he didn't wear gloves, which you're supposed to do. And it reacted with the pain medicine that he was already prescribed, and it proved too much for his body to handle. That week, I thought those moments were so hard, and they were, but that week would be the hardest week I'd ever face. Because Tuesday and Wednesday would be the viewing and funeral from my grandfather. And Thursday and Friday would be the viewing and funeral from my dad. That whole week I stood in God's strength. In moments I felt like I had no more strength to stand. God was faithful. His strength held me up that entire week. A very close friend of mine was going through the viewing day. It would have been Thursday of my dad's viewing. He came through and he hugged my neck. And he said, Dylan, are you okay? I said, yeah, I am. And then at that moment, I kind of stopped. And in my head, I was like, I am okay. Why? Why am I okay? And, and you start to reason with yourself, Is this, you know, am I really feeling the weight? Of what's going on here? Am I being insensitive? Do I not realize, am I just numb to what's going on? I didn't have the strength to stand. But I was still standing. Somehow. In difficult moments, and in any moments for that matter, we're not called to stand. We're called to lean on His strength. Amen. We aren't called to understand everything that happens. We're just called to trust. God, I don't understand. I don't have the strength, but I'm leaning on you, God. I don't understand what's going on, but you've been faithful. So I know that you know what's going on. In the middle of painful and difficult moments is where we can learn the most if we'll keep our hearts open to God, not close ourselves off and let bitterness and anger and malice and confusion get in and destroy the root of what's going on. But if you keep your mind open to what's going on, your heart open to God, he will teach you more in those moments than you ever thought possible. Amen. My relationship with my father was very hard. At times, we were so, so close. But he was an alcoholic, and he'd used drugs recreationally. This is why we had such a hit-and-miss relationship. At times, we were the best of friends, and we were inseparable. And then at times, he would slip away and isolate himself from me. But I still loved him so, so much. And he loved me. When I lost him, it hurt more than I could imagine. But my heavenly father was teaching me how I can lean on him even more. In ways that I had refrained from leaning on God as a fatherly figure, when that father figure was removed, I found new ways I could lean on God. 
I found new ways that I could pray and say, God, I don't have anybody for this. I need you for this. And God was there. Moments that I didn't know I could trust God with that. Moments I didn't know I could pray like that. I didn't know I could have such an amazing sonship relationship with God in that manner until God led me that way. When I married the most amazing woman in the entire world who's going to take care of our son right now, God didn't just give me her, which would be enough, and I'm glad she's not here to hear me say that. But he didn't just give me her. I also got a family. And in that family, I got a father-in-law. So God may have taken my father, my biological father, but he gave me one of the most amazing men in the entire, I would say, top five ever walked this earth. (laughs) Top five. He's the best man that's ever walked. So he may have taken my father biologically, but he gave me a man that I can look to and I can mirror my life after. God's so faithful. He will never take anything from you unless something else is already on the way. When he took the children of Israel out of Egypt, he was taking them to the promised land. When he takes something from you, if you'll keep your heart open and keep your mind expectant that God is faithful, he'll bring something else And you'll say, God, I never knew. I never knew. God is so good. So how do you continue to live a joyful life when adversity happens, when life just happens? I think there's, uh, to me, let me say this. To me, there are three keys to living a joyful life, the things that I cling so closely to. And and this is going to be a pattern from 1 Thessalonians 5 and 17. excuse me, 5, verses 16 through 18. It says, Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So first is thankfulness. That's how you live a joyful joyful life. First off, it's to focus on what you're thankful for. Not focus on what you don't have. Not focus, like Bishop said, on the tire that's flat on the car. Focus that you got the car. God blessed you with that car. Not that your whatever broke down in your house, but focus on that God blessed you with that house. Saying thankfulness in moments that are hard, just take a deep breath and say, thank you, Lord. You don't have to be specific. You can just say, thank you, Lord, for that breath. Thank you for that heartbeat. Thank you for consistently being right beside me. God's word tells us that he inhabits the praises of our people. This is part two. Rejoice evermore. This can include, and I know, I mean, simple minds like me are easily amused and easily guided, I should say. So sometimes I take things at face value and you're like, are you serious, Brother Dylan? That is so ridiculously small. That's just how I live. (laughs) So rejoicing evermore. To me, a lot of times, walking around a noisy, chaotic construction site is whistling, humming, singing, keeping that continual mode of worship on my heart. Because if I'm worshiping God and I'm walking through and some guy almost runs me over with an excavator, it's not really that big a deal. God just saved me from being run over is what I'm focusing on. (laughs) Worshiping God with every breath you have. Not that you have to sing perfectly, not that you have to do everything just perfectly, but keeping God's worship on your heart continually. Third is prayer. Pray without ceasing. When you're spending all day in communication with God, how could you not be joyful? When you spend all day communicating with the creator of the universe, and he takes the time to listen to me, to listen to my concerns, to listen to my mumbles, if you will, how can I not be joyful about that? God is so good. Prayer keeps you in connection with God and in proper focus of what's going on with your day. So thirdly, practical tips, advice, and resources. So last Friday, you guys ever have those days where you just wake up? I mean, I'm going to be completely transparent. You just wake up and you're like, something's not right. Today's just going to be a rough day. Most of those probably happen on Monday. But this was a Friday, last Friday. I drove to work, and as I got to work, I was sitting there in my car, just thinking, just relaxing, and that just hit me, that something, something bad's just going to happen. 
it just, it just felt, well, rather than stew on it, what I can recommend is taking a piece of paper, any piece of paper, and just write. What I wrote last Friday when I felt like it was just going to be a dirty, no good, rotten day. I wrote down, God is my shield. You probably can't read it. I can barely read it. God is my shield for my mind, for my heart, for my spirit, for my health, for my family. God will keep me. He is faithful. He is good. And at the bottom, I put, that will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. And I folded it. I put it in my pocket. And every, all day, I kept having those feelings of, man, something just, I would pat it. Mm, God is my shield. God is my rock. He is faithful. He will be there for me. Just I, rec- I would recommend, and I will echo what Sister Tiffany said, in whatever way you can, get Scripture in your, in your sight. Keep God's Word around you. This is my hard hat that I wear every single day, all day, and I won't say that I'm upset about it, but I'm not a real big fan of it. <laughs> but what I have done, the enemy will come and try to steal your joy. He'll come at moments that just doesn't, you won't have time to run out to your car and grab your iPad and pick out that really cool podcast that was just preached against that. Thank you, Pastor. <laughs> so when the, enemy, when the enemy comes in, when I'm at work and the enemy comes in and tells me that I'm weak, he tells me that I'm just powerless. I can pull this hard hat off and look right there on the bill at Acts 1 and 8. It says, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And I go back about my day. And then the enemy comes in and tells me, you know, God didn't really die for you. You're not really. Are you really think you're saved? You really think that God. Well, Acts 2.39 in this handy dandy hard hat tells me the promises unto you and to your children and all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And I go back about my day. And then the enemy comes in, and I just feel overtaken. I just feel like I can't make it another step. Then I pull it off again. And on that bill, I've got 1 John 4 and 4. that tells me, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And I go back about my day. See, what happens when you do that, and I, I don't even know where I got the idea to do that, but I did that with in mind what Elder Brother Gill used to say, don't argue with a crooked stick, just lay a straight one next to it. So when the enemy comes in telling you all this false lies and ridiculous stuff, don't argue with it. Don't try to argue, well, I am too strong. I, uh-huh, watch that. Just pull it out. Just pull it out. When the enemy comes in and tells you that you're a mistake, that you're flawed, that God could never create anything like you, you can just look at wherever you got it written and say, well, Psalms 139 and 14 says, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Mm, God's so good. I, I hope this encouraged you. I want you just to know practical ways that you can live a joyful life. And it doesn't have to be complicated. Just whatever you got. I had a marker and a piece of paper and an unfortunate part of my uniform. <laughs> so I want to encourage you just in whatever way that you can, remind yourself who you are. Remind yourself that God gave you joy. And nobody can take that from you. I'm glad you wrote yours down, too. I have to write mine. (laughs) So on April 22nd, 2017, I thought my whole world was falling apart. In fact, my family, as I knew it, did. After almost 18 years, our lives were completely turned upside down, shattered. I was shocked, hurt, humiliated, and angry. In a matter of seconds, I became a single mom of nine broken, sad, confused kids. Satan had stolen my peace, my joy, my security, my happiness, seemingly everything. Then on December 14, 2017, just when we were settling into our new normal, I get a phone call at work. Our home had burned to the ground. Satan thought he had me again. In April of 2018, I had blood clots putting me in the hospital, and I was diagnosed with cancer. 
And this past Friday, I was told it was much, much worse than we thought. Surely the devil feels good about himself now. This is not how I had my life planned out. My plan was broken. So how do I live a joyful life after all this? Simple answer, I know who I am. I'm a princess. I'm a daughter, not just of any king, but of the king of kings. As Sister Teresa said, the last time I checked, I win. I have a competitive nature. I like to win. After God spoke to me on Saturday night, I literally laughed out loud the rest of my drive home at the devil. Did he actually think he could destroy me when I know who I serve? So how do I find joy every day? I do it intentionally. I find beauty all around me. When I look at the sky, the mountains, the ocean and the mighty rivers, the Grand Canyon, Niagara Falls, and then a tiny delicate butterfly, to think that same God that spoke these wonders into existence, he actually took the time. He took the time to form me in my intricate system. He loves and cares for me so much that he gave me fingerprints that are different from anybody else in this world. He has me in the palm of his hand. I'm free to be joyful. Joy's a choice that I must make every day. It isn't automatic. I want joy. I choose joy and make my life one that is filled with joy. So how do I do that? My mamaw taught me that very early. Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. I can't let negativity in my mind. I surround myself with positive thoughts and people. Don't miss church. It's where I get my strength. It's where my peace comes from. In the midst of my worst storm, I immerse myself in the word of God. Read it. Sing about it. Play it while I'm falling asleep. You want a peaceful night's sleep? Sleep with a Bible under your pillow. Do not let your mind wander. It's a trap. Literally look up. Hold your head up. Force the smile till it's natural. My favorite toy, tool, toys. tools are the MPC podcast. Create a playlist or a CD of uplifting or instrumental music. I'm a big reader. Seriously, find books. The Broken Way by Ann Voskamp is wonderful that Sister Wilkes recommended to me. Or if you ladies, sorry guys, you're kind of on your own. Um, Brother Walls has a wonderful library. Um, <laughs> But if you ladies like some light reading, the Amish series are good. Um, if you want something that will let you cry and release some of those emotions, Karen Kingsbury is good. I have tons of great book recommendations. Finally, find joy in your daily tasks. Your child's giggle or his delight in a frog. Find some joy in your job. You may have to look hard, but no matter what your job, you're blessing your family. Be thankful. This is easy for me because I absolutely love my job. I work with middle school special needs kids who find joy in the most simple things. One boy today, this was just today, asked for a hug. And he said, Mitch Jets, you're a sweetheart. I sit down with another boy to do math of all things. And he's almost nonverbal. He can just barely, barely speak. But he said, this is going to be great. We best buds. <laughs> is it always easy? Absolutely not. Sometimes it would be so much easier to stay in bed and cover your head up and remind yourself to breathe. But pigs waller in the mud. I don't want to be a pig wallering in self-pity. I have to be intentional and choose joy over sadness and pity. That doesn't mean I don't live in or face reality. It simply means I face my reality with God on my side. And I find joy along my journey. So look around you and find joy. Choose joy. You belong to the King of Kings, and we win.
would tell you, I've been to conferences all over the country. I've heard some of the best speakers that you can hear. But what you heard tonight was some of the most powerful thing you can put in your spirit from every one of these. Amen. And when you, you, everybody's got a story. Everybody's had some pain in their life. But every one of them had that consistent thing is that I know who I am. I know who I am. I know when you know who you are in God, hallelujah, you can make it and overcome. Oh, thank the Lord today. Thank you for joining us today. We pray you have been encouraged. If you would like more information about Medora Pentecostal Church, you can check out our website at www.medorachurch.com.